for a moment. Father, I want to thank you because you are amazing in what you do. You are gracious and good in what you do. And Father, I pray this morning that as we look at your word, as we look at what Jesus did, that you would help us in our understanding of the amazing power, authority, and grace that we have, not just for an eternal life, but for this life that we are now living. And so, Lord, I pray, would you give us revelation and understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to ask a question, a couple of questions as we start off this morning. How many of you, in some way, shape, or form, could do with healing? Wow. So we're looking at 75% of this group of people need healing healing, some way, shape, or form. How many of you believe that Jesus still heals today? Great. And how many of you believe that Jesus wants to heal you right now this morning? Oh, wow, it's good. It's good. Well, I don't need to preach. We can all go home. <laughs> One of the challenges about receiving healing is that over the years, we've preached a theology of healing that I've come to believe is not true. And the theology that we've been taught, what it produces is doubt. One of the challenges of being a people of faith is that faith and doubt is like oil and water. They do not mix. And so if we doubt, then we stop something from occurring that would occur if that doubt was removed. And so I'm going to talk this morning about four main reasons why we do not receive healings or that are the things that stop us from being healed. Jesus quite often said, if we look at something like Matthew 14, 31, when they couldn't cast out the demon in the boy, Jesus' response to his disciples were, why was your faith so little? Yeah. Why did you doubt? When Peter couldn't walk on the water, Jesus said, why did you doubt? And so there are four kind of major doubts that I want to tackle this morning. And I'm just going to mention them and then go through them. So doubt one is that God doesn't want to heal me. Doubt two is that God is using this sickness to teach me something. He wants me to learn something through my sickness. Doubt three is it's not the right time now to be healed. God's going to heal me at another time. And doubt four is I don't have enough faith. Now, I think those four different doubts are the main reasons that inhibit us from receiving healing. And if we can come to a position where we think they're not true, then there is a much greater chance that we'll say, hey, God does want to heal me. And our faith goes up. Now, the first one is this, God does not want to heal me. The thing is, we cannot find that anywhere in the Bible. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And what's really important is to understand that 
When Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, Jesus was demonstrating that what he did was the Father's perfect will. You understand that? So Jesus' activity on the earth was a demonstration of what the will of the Father was to be done on the earth. And man, Jesus healed everybody. Jesus healed people left, right, and center. That we look at Jesus... And he fulfilled what the Father wanted to do. And I'm, I'm going to blast through some of these because there's so much in all of this. But in Matthew 8, 16, it says, Jesus healed all the sick. Think about it for a moment. So we had 75% hands up need healing. If Jesus was here right now, all of those 75% would be healed. Just think about it. That, that, that's, that's an amazing thing. Matthew 12, 15, Jesus healed all who were ill. So Matthew 8, 16, Jesus healed all the sick. Matthew 12, 15, Jesus healed all who were ill. Luke 6, 19, Jesus was healing them all. Luke 17, 12 to 19, 10 lepers came, including a Samaritan. Why does it mention that? Because the Samaritans... Should I say this because it goes out on the podcast? The Samaritans are a bit like how we would treat the French as the British. Or how they would treat us, especially if you're going over Dover. And it says that out of the ten lepers, all were healed. If there was a reason, if God said, I don't want to heal some people, then we would see somewhere along the line that he says, I'm not healing you. And I mean, with a Samaritan, man, that was a perfect opportunity. Not healing you, you're a Samaritan, we don't like you. And then we look at the apostles, Acts 5.16. And they went out and they, they laid hands on people and it says, and all of them were healed. What are we saying here? We're saying that actually God chooses to heal everybody. He wants to heal everybody. We can look at other scriptures. Does God have favorites? No, he doesn't. Acts 10, 34 to 35, God does not show favoritism. Colossians 3, 25, there is no favoritism with God. Romans 2, 11, God does not show favoritism. Ephesians 6, 9, there is no favoritism with God. Now, I like that. Now, in some ways, I'd like God to think that I'm a favorite. But actually, I love the fact that when God looks at us, he doesn't have a favorite. He doesn't say, well, you know, Lois, you're my favorite. I'm going to heal you. But Liz, I'm really sorry. You're not, so I'm not going to. That's, that's not God. But can you see how it gets into our mind that we think God will heal that person. He's not going to heal me. There is no evidence whatsoever in scripture and we should understand this because when it comes to forgiveness we know it acts 10 43 everyone who believes receives forgiveness that's also in john 6 4 john 11 26 rome 1 16 uh, romans 1 16 they all say that everyone I heard a preacher years ago, he said he did a study of the word everyone and all and found out that what it means is it means everyone and all. No exceptions. That includes you this morning. 
You are part of the all that Jesus will heal. You are part of the everyone that he will bring forgiveness. Now, the everyone and all works both ways. Everyone who is angry with his brother is guilty. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, but then also everyone who asks receives. So the point I'm making is that when we say God doesn't want to heal me, there is no basis in the life of Jesus. There is no basis in the life of the apostles. There is no basis in the teaching of the Bible that would support such a view. Actually, it would say the other way around that he does want to heal everyone because he has no favorites. So maybe this morning I want to encourage you He wants to heal you. Yep, you. He wants to heal you. Maybe you can just turn to the person next to you and say, he wants to heal you. Now, the second one, the second doubt that we have is that God is using this sickness to teach me something. I've heard that a number of times. Perhaps God is teaching me something through this sickness. Well, here's the question. What have you learnt? And normally most people say, well, I've learned to cope with pain. Well, that's not very nice, is it? In the Old Testament, sickness is clearly seen as being part of the curse for breaking the law. People become sick because they break the law, that is how it is connected in the Old Testament. But we are not part of the Old Testament. And when we begin to say that God is giving me a sickness to teach me something, we're actually saying this is the way God is blessing me. I mean, how crazy is that? Really, the blessing of God can only come through sickness. That really is a heresy. Nowhere in the Bible is sickness listed as a blessing. Here's the thing. Jesus and the apostles treated sickness in the same manner that they treated demons. And you're not going to tell me that demons are a blessing of God. So sickness or the operation of the demonic is not something that God gives people and says, here, I'm blessing you with this. No, no, he doesn't. Interestingly, a quarter of Jesus' healings were the result of casting out the demonic. Now, here's the amazing thing. The curse of the law brings sickness But the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ removes the curse of the law through his life, death, and resurrection. What does that mean? That means that for those of us who believe, there is no curse any longer left. Which means we do not need to live in the stuff that comes out of the curse, which is sickness and all the illness that comes with that. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
And here's something else. Nowhere do you see Jesus saying to someone, hey, I'm not going to heal you because I want you to learn something. Nowhere. He had ample opportunity to say that to people, say, mate, you know, I'm going to heal them, but you need to learn something, so I'm going to leave you in your sickness. There is no record of that anywhere in the Bible. Jesus wants to heal you. Jesus does not want to leave you in sickness. There is nothing in the Bible that would teach us that God withholds healing to teach us something. Sickness is not a blessing. The only thing that impacts us in terms of healing is our level of faith that is caused by these doubts. If we believe this morning that Jesus wants to heal me, and if we believe this morning that my sickness is not from God to teach me anything, then what's to stop us from being healed today? What's to stop us? Number three, it's not the right time to be healed. People come, they pray, they don't see anything happen, say, well, maybe it's not God's time. Again, nowhere in the Bible does it talk about a timing for healing. Here's the thing. Think through for a moment all of the Gospels and all of the people who are healed by Jesus and ask yourself this question, when were they healed? Just think about it for a moment. When were the people in the Bible that were healed, when were they healed? And here's the answer. The answer is they were healed when they chose to come to Jesus to be healed. Every healing, apart from the dead guy, because he couldn't come. Yeah? But in all the instances where people were still breathing, they made a decision. They said, I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm going to get healed. I'm going to believe in him and I'm going to receive a healing. And they received it because all who came to him were healed. There is no timing. You know, one of the other things that, that and it's a challenge that, that I find within myself that kind of I've worked through this week, is sometimes when people are older and they have a sickness, we kind of think, well, maybe God is using this to take them to glory. You know what? There, there is absolutely no evidence in the Bible for that. I mean, let's be honest. God can take you to heaven when you're healthy or when you're sick. Why should we go to heaven through cancer? Why? Why should we go to heaven through a long, prolonged... Why? When I was younger, there was a man who lived up the road from us. He was 90-something. He had a Volkswagen Beetle. I remember, you know. And he got up one morning, got into his car, drove down the road, did his shopping for the week, came home, parked the car, put all of his shopping away, went to bed, and went to glory. Thought, wow, I like that. Jesus has not said anywhere that you will get to heaven through sickness. He's not said that in the end of days, then your body's going to give out and you have to suffer a great deal and then come to glory. Why am I saying this? Because I want to remove a doubt from you that says... I'm old and I need to have this. 
my body's wearing out. Jesus did amazing healings. Do you remember the guy who was blind? Guy was blind, comes to Jesus. Jesus spits on the ground, puts stuff on his eyes and says, how's your eyesight? And he says, I can see men like trees walking. Let me tell you, when I take these off, you all look like trees walking. Yeah? So what did Jesus do? He says, great, now go to the optician, get a pair of glasses. He prayed again, and the guy was healed. Now, I, I want to link it in because God loves you. And he says, we are evil parents in comparison to God, and yet we give good things to our children. Let me ask you, if your child has cancer and it is within your power to heal your child, would you heal your child? If your child wears glasses and it's within your power to heal their eyesight, would you heal their eyesight? So we can come to Jesus and we say, you know, I want my eyes healed. I want this sickness gone. I want this cough gone. We can pray and see all of that removed when we get rid of the doubts that plague us. Think about it for a moment. You know, I've been in meetings where somebody was prayed for on a Friday, prayed for on a Saturday, nothing happened in either of those, prayed for on a Sunday, and then they got healed. Now, just think of the logic. So between Friday and Sunday, God changed his mind, did he? God says, no, I don't want to heal you on Friday. No, I don't want to heal you on Saturday. Oh, it's the Lord's Day. Yeah, I'll heal you today. Can you see what kind of a picture that would build of God? He's not like that. The reason sometimes it takes time for people to be healed is because when they are prayed for, God is working, and often he removes doubts, he removes blockages, and then all of a sudden there is something that is released. For other people, it just takes time. I heard a story this week uh, of a couple who went for prayer with healing on the streets and she was paralyzed and in a wheelchair. They prayed. They prayed for a couple of times. Nothing happened. They get into their van. They have a 100-mile trip home, 50 miles down the road. She says, stop the van. She gets out and runs around the van. The thing is, when we pray, something happens. And even if we don't see it instantly then and there, Something is happening. And if we can remove the doubts that we have, we have sufficient faith. Jesus said in, Mark, in Matthew 9.29, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Which leads me on to number four. I don't have enough faith. Now, Jesus did say, a number of times in a number of different ways that sometimes things didn't happen because people didn't have faith. I think specifically of when Jesus went to his hometown and it says he could do very few miracles because of their lack of faith. But does that mean that we can genuinely say, well, I don't have enough faith? Was Jesus saying it's now impossible? Maybe a better question to I haven't got enough faith would be, how much faith do I need? That's a good one, isn't it? How much faith do you need to see a miracle? Well, there's an amazing answer in Scripture. You need enough faith uh, that is the size of a mustard seed. And if I had one here, you wouldn't be able to see it because it's too small. Can you imagine if Jesus came and said, 
guys, it's not difficult. You just need faith the size of a watermelon. You go, what? That's massive. Jesus chose the smallest visible seed that they had. And he said, if you've got this much, you can move a mountain, man. You can say to that mountain, hey, go in the sea and it will do it. Jesus went up to the fig tree and it had no fruit. And he said, may you never bear fruit again. And the thing died. And he said to them, you can do this. Jesus said to his disciples, you can do this. You've got enough faith. You just need to get rid of the doubt. And the thing with the doubt is best illustrated with Peter wanting to walk on the water. So you've got this scene where Jesus has fed thousands of people. He puts the disciples in the boat. They go over the lake. He dismisses the people. And then Jesus decides, hey, I'm going to go over there and walk on the water. So here's Jesus walking along on the water. And he's about to walk by. And they see him and they're all frightened. And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And there's big waves. There's a storm there. And Jesus says to Peter, hey, come. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine? You're there on the edge of the boat. That's water. And then Peter had to kind of, you kind of think, oh, I'm going to go under. So there he is. He's walking on the water. And then it tells us, that when he started to look at the waves, when he started to look at the wind, he started to sink. Why? Because he had stopped looking at Jesus. And one of the challenges for us when we're praying for people who are ill, we see the sickness. Man, that dude's got no arm. And that, and we kind of think, oh, how do I do this? And Jesus says, you look at me. You look at me, you believe in me, and that arm will grow back. And that eyeball will be formed in the socket. Those things have happened. I heard an amazing testimony, I don't know how this works, of a guy who's got a plastic eye. And he was healed, and he could take his eye out, but when he put it back in, he could see. You work that one out for me. I mean, I, th I think God says, hey, we're going to do it a little bit different. It's about those who believe. Now, here's the thing. We will then go and say, well, you know, I don't have the gift of healing. I don't have the gift of miracles. I can't do this. It's not me. But interestingly enough, when it comes to healing, in Matthew 16, 18, it says this. These signs will follow who? Those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Tell me, do you believe this morning? Are you a believer this morning? Because then this scripture is for you. That you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. God loves you and God wants to heal you. God does not make us sick to teach us something. We decide when we get healed by approaching God and saying we want to be healed, we ask. God has given us sufficient faith. And here's the thing, the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can have even more faith. The Holy Spirit generates faith within us. When we meet together as believers, we can build up our faith. 
I mean, that's the whole point. We gather together and our faith increases. The point to me preaching is that hopefully it will build up your faith so that you say this morning, you know what? There is absolutely nothing that is stopping me from receiving healing today. God loves me. He's not teaching me anything through this. I don't need to have this. I have enough faith. It's the right time. And, and, and as an example of that, let me ask you for a moment, what would happen if I got this big time machine and the 75% of you who need some healing, if I put you in the time machine and I zipped us back to where Jesus was preaching and I took you out and said, okay, off you go, and you went to Jesus, do you think you'd come back healed? So if Jesus is alive today and he is working in and through us, then the same Jesus who did all the healing then will do it today. It's just we've believed all of this stuff over the years because, you know, we've kind of thought, hmm, you know what the hardest thing is in praying for somebody to be healed? It's saying, are you any better? Is there something you can do? If somebody's got a bad back and you pray for them, the faith thing is say, okay, do something with your back you can't normally do. And in the past, I've kind of run away from that. Oh, no, I don't want to test it out just in case. Well, that's not faith. Christ's attitude to sickness was never to accept it, was always to heal and deliver. Christ never gave people pain. He didn't give people pain. He got rid of pain. What did he give us? Well, it says all the power, all the authority over every disease. Luke 10, 17 to 20, we have received all power from Christ. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. <coughs> Matthew 10, 1, we have authority over and power over every disease. And then we've got Isaiah 53 that says, by his wounds we are healed. And what's interesting, in Matthew 18, 14 to 17, where Jesus heals, it says he heals to confirm the word that was spoken in Isaiah 53. So we know that through Jesus' death, healing is available to all. Now, we often say what we don't have, but we don't focus on what we do have. You have got sufficient faith. Faith as small as a mustard seed. A mustard seed grows and faith grows. A mustard seed becomes so big that birds can perch in its branches. So that seed that is enough to move a mountain, can you imagine what you will do when it becomes a fully grown tree? I mean, if one seed can move a mountain, then maybe the whole tree can destroy a planet. God is keen for us to operate. And then we're told in Romans that we've already been given a measure of faith by God in Romans 12.3. Now, part of the question with faith is who's got the faith? Have you ever thought about that when you're praying for somebody? Who needs to have the faith to be healed? And I want to give you three people. The first is Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. So who do you think had the faith, Lazarus or Jesus? Jesus. 
Bartimaeus was blind and Jesus was passing by and he started to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd said, shut up. And he continued and continued. Who had faith? Bartimaeus. Then you've got the paralytic on a mat. The guys take him. They rip open the roof because they can't get in the building and they lower him down. Who had the faith? The friends. So we've got three situations where Jesus, where the individual themselves, or where their friends have faith. And so it's good for us to know that it can be our faith, it can be the person's faith, yeah, that sees the healing come to the individual. What I like is Acts 14, 8 to 10 says that you can see faith. It says he saw that he had faith to be healed. Faith can be visible. Now, one thing that was a great challenge to me was how I pray. And there are two kinds of prayers. There is a petitioning prayer and there is a commanding prayer. A petitioning prayer is, please, Lord Jesus, would you come and would you heal Lois? She's not well. She's got a cold. Uh, it's not good. Would you please heal her? That's a petitioning prayer. Commanding prayer is, I command that cold to go. I command that sickness to go. I command it to leave your body. It has no right to be there. And I speak health and wholeness into you. That's a commanding prayer. Now, we generally pray petitioning prayers. But just think about this for a moment. Jesus said, I've given you authority to lay hands on the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the I've given you that authority. You have it. I've got authority. I've now given it to you. Think about for a moment what would happen if you've given somebody authority and you say, I've given you authority to go to the shop. I own the shop. I want you to go down and say, um, I need this and this and to take it and bring it back. And then you go down to the shop and they call you up and say, oh, can you please come and get the stuff? You'd say, no, I've given you authority. And what we do is Jesus says, I've given you authority, Sam, I've given you authority to lay hands on the sick, to command the sickness to go, to the demons to go. And then when you stand there praying, you say, Jesus, would you now come and do it? He said, no, I'm not going to come and do it. I've asked you to do it. And when you do it, my power will flow through you by the Spirit and that person will be delivered or healed or whatever. Now, that takes a bit of getting into your mind because nearly all the prayers that I have prayed over sick people have been more petitioning than they have been commanding. And if you look at the New Testament, nowhere does Jesus petition all the disciples. I mean, Jesus' prayers are like half a second. If it's demonic, he just says, get out. Be freed from your infirmity. Jesus rebuked the fever of Peter's mother and she got up. He said to the girl who was dead, get up. He said to the guy who was deaf, be opened. The disciples did the same. And we do these long things. Dear Lord Jesus, you love this person. Would you please come? Would you heal their ears? Would you open them? No, no. He says, no, no. I'm not doing it. You're doing it. Why would Jesus do that? i tell you why. Because when Jesus was on the earth, he was one person 
walking from village to village. We've got 60 or 70 people here this morning. You can each be Jesus wherever you are to bring healing and freedom into the life of people. And so I want to encourage you this morning, when you pray, maybe you think, oh, I've got to swallow a bit hard. But be commanding in your praying. If somebody has a disease, something I was listening to, a guy called Mark Marks who does healing on the streets. And he says, wherever the restriction is, you command it to go. You tell it to go. You ask the person, what are you suffering? A pain? My arm will only go this high, right? Well, we pray for that restriction. That re I command that restriction to be gone. For that shoulder, for that elbow to be healed. What can you do? Well, I can go here. Wow, it's already moving. It's about us taking the authority that we have been given and speaking it over people and seeing the power of God working through us. God wants us to see the joy of his power coming. Now, one thing that we don't do is we don't promise somebody healing. What we do is we pray our best prayer. And then we say to them, can you test your healing? Are you feeling any better? Is the pain gone? Is the pain less? Is there greater movement? We're not looking for what hasn't happened. We're looking for what has happened. Is there any change? We ask them. Do something that you couldn't do. Now, we don't yank people out of wheelchairs. We say to them, can you move your legs? Those who get healed will be able to move their legs and get up. They might need a hand up once they're moving up, but we don't whip them out of a wheelchair because Jesus' healing is fixed and substantive. We also don't tell people they're healed. We say, go to the doctor. Ask them. The doctor will confirm whether it's gone or whether they can operate through it without anything happening. There have been some amazing healings where the condition hasn't changed, but people aren't affected by it. I don't quite get, but God knows how to do it. So we pray for people. Sometimes people get partial healings. That happens quite a lot. So we've commanded something to happen, and it ha can happen over a period of time. Why over a period of time? Because the word that they will recover means that the word recover means over a, a time. It can be instant, but sometimes it can take longer. The guy who was blind, it took longer. The lepers had to go for it to happen. So don't lose your faith because you're not seeing anything. Um, one of the examples that I thought was really good that Mark Marks gave is that we pray for somebody say, I'm, I'm command that sickness to go in the name of Jesus. And because we don't see anything, we go. Oh. And then as, as the prayer's going up, we're grabbing it by the ankles and we're yanking it back down. Don't do that. When you have commanded something, God's word never ever returns void. Something has changed. I remember maybe 20 years ago praying for a guy in a street. He had a walking stick and he had a problem with his knee and it had been an ongoing thing. And I just knew that I knew that I knew God wanted to heal him. So I prayed for him. Nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. 
and he walked off the bus with his walking stick and everything. Um, and then he came back a few hours later, no walking stick, says, my knee's totally healed. We don't know when God will do that. Do not allow the immediacy of something to knock your faith. So what do we do with someone where we've prayed for them and they are not visibly healed when they're with us? Well, we say a couple of things. We say to them, this does not mean that God doesn't love you. He, he loves you. Yeah. And if there is a burden in you to continue to pray, you pray again. Jesus prayed a number of times for people. When Jesus cast out demons, he didn't do it often with just a word. Sometimes he said he kept on saying for it to leave. And so we'll, we'll say, we'll pray again. And when you think, okay, I've prayed enough, we say, look, we will now see what God will do. You may be healed as you go. You may be healed tomorrow when you wake up and you are welcome to come back as many times as you want to and we will continue to pray for you to be healed. And what happens, the more we do it, the more people are healed and the more people are healed, the higher the faith goes. Very often in a meeting when people see an amazing healing, the faith level goes woof and all of a sudden people get healed everywhere. It's about People understanding that they are loved. We're not pressuring them. We're not pressuring ourselves. We're saying, you know what? I believe that Jesus wants to heal you. And therefore, that is what we're going to do. We're going to pray for that. I'm going to skip a, a, through a few things. Last couple of things I'm going to mention is don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the problem. You're speaking to it and you're saying, cancer, I command you to shrivel up and die. Get out. You're not welcome and we tell you to go. We don't focus on things, oh man, this is a big thing and the hospital can't deal with it and blah, blah, blah. No, we focus on Jesus. He has the authority to do it. I'm going to finish there. And I want us to pray. You know, the thing that I like about it, we don't need to whip things up. But I want to invite you this morning, if you believe that Jesus wants to heal you today, then I want you to come forward and we're going to lay hands and we're going to pray for you. And so the choice is up to you if you want to come up and you want to be prayed for for healing, and we will do that. And it'll be a very simple commanding prayer that we pray for you to be healed. So if that's you, why don't you come now? We've got 10 minutes and we will pray for you. Amen. So we'll pray for you again. So, yeah, with Lois, who's full of cold I prayed for, it's already better than it was. Because we have the authority to command that over people. Now, as we've got quite a few people coming, I want to ask those of you who say, you know what, I believe Jesus wants to heal and I want to pray for people to be healed and you want to do that this morning, then I want you to just join me here for a moment so we can see the difference between those who are going to get prayed for and those who want to pray for someone. So if you want to pray for someone and see them healed, just stand by me here for a moment because we're going to then pray. So there's an opportunity here. 
You don't need to be a pastor to pray. You don't need to be a Christian of three months plus. You just need to be able to say, you know what? I'm willing to pray and command that sickness to go and see what Jesus will do. Okay, so we've got all these people. So what we're going to do, those of us who are praying, you're going to go up, you're going to say, what's the problem? Where's the restriction? Where's the pain? And then you're going to command a prayer. You're going to say, I command that to go. If it's cancer, you tell it to shrivel up and die or whatever. And if while you're praying, the Holy Spirit gives you something, then you do that as well. You pray that as well. Is that okay? So we're going to do that. I'm going to put the mic down and going to go and we'll pray for people. So go with someone, ask them, and then pray. Is that okay?